welcome back to the next episode of the Introduction to ST3 podcasts. For this one, I'm joined by one of my consultant colleagues, Catherine Roberts, who's an EM and ICM consultant, and we're going to talk about supporting and managing the struggling trainee. So, Kath, why might a junior be struggling? So there's a whole variety of reasons why people might be struggling, but um, I suppose I like to think of it in terms of there's a performance triangle and it has the things in it that um, you need to perform at your best and if any of those are not right then you won't necessarily perform at your best. So the things in that are your work environment, so do you feel safe and supported as a trainee? Do you feel part of a team and if you don't then you may not function well? Do you have the knowledge and skills required to do your job? So if you are being asked to act at a level that maybe is above your level of competence and you're going to feel um, unsure and anxious about it and you won't necessarily perform. Um, and then do you feel well? If you don't feel well, we are welcome to work. We've had a bit of a cold or a bit of a headache and you just don't perform as well as you you would do otherwise because you can't concentrate as well or you're maybe a bit tired. So if you don't have those three things um, all kind of at their best, then you're not going to perform well. I think it's quite easy to see from those why somebody might struggle on a day-to-day basis. Mm -hmm. If we're thinking about trainees who are struggling over a longer period of time, what sorts of things might cause those? So again, there's there's a few, but we can kind of think about it in the same way. So um, people who, so if you look at work, people who are not supported, um, maybe they're doing a job that they just don't enjoy. You know, GPSTs come and do some emergency medicine they don't like it it doesn't fit the way they want to work so they just they struggle with it because they're asking them to work in a way that's out of their comfort zone yeah we get a lot of trainees through who actually aren't badged as em trainees and so they do sometimes find it a little bit difficult because they're not doing something they want to do um if you've got problems um at home or health problems so um or family problems so maybe you're caring for somebody either a child or a parent um Maybe um, someone at home has long-term health, chronic health problems, which makes it difficult to manage. Um, we've talked about trainees who have come from a different culture. So they come across to the UK, they don't, they don't know how it works here. It's very different to where they've come from and it's a bit of a culture shock. And often their support networks are at home in, their, in, a, in a different land. So they've, they don't have that fallback when they go home. And I think in addition to that, the actual systems that they work in can sometimes be very different to our systems. We've had trainees here before at middle grade level that haven't been able to take bloods or cannulate because in the healthcare system that they've been trained in, that is not a skill that doctors do. And so you need to have a little bit of understanding as to where these people are coming yeah. from. Um, and then I always think about the trainees who've had recent bad experiences. Yes. Um, so... Unfortunately, it happens to all of us. Um, whatever grade you are, we've had people who we've sent home who've then come back with an awful diagnosis or um, we've been involved in an incident or a complaint um, and that can really colour how you deal with things going forward. Um, or people who just have something in their personal circumstance that affects how you uh, see things at work. Okay, so we've looked there at why a junior might be struggling and Sometimes it's made really easy for us, isn't it? Because trainees come in and they've already been diagnosed as being a doctor in difficulty and often registrars or senior trainees will be told about this and they'll be told to look out for these individuals. But 
the more difficult group are those that don't have a pre-existing diagnosis of being yes. a doctor in difficulty and that we need to look out for warning signs as to why they might have been struggling yeah a general thought that there are seven main warning signs to look out for yeah. aren't there would you want to tell us a little bit about these okay so i think the first one is we call it disappearance um so this is people who you can't find that trainee who is perpetually not where they're thought to be and we've all been on shift when this has happened it can feel quite frustrating sometimes yeah. when you know you've been told that they're in peds and they're not in peds and peds that they're in resource and they're not in resource or they've gone for their half hour break but that was an hour and a half ago and nobody's really seen them since so there might be a very innocent reason. I remember spending ages trying to find a trainee once and they were actually in CT scan and just nobody knew they'd gone. So there can be an innocent reason why you can't find them. But I guess it's the pet trainees that you perpetually can't find. Yeah, and I think it's the fact that it's a, a recurrence of behaviour is really important here. So we're not talking about trainees who turn up late at the odd time because their yeah. car's broken down on the way into work or something's happened at, at home. We're talking about a trainee who is consistently demonstrating behaviour of being late or being missing yeah. when you're trying to find them. Yeah, it's just flagging that up. And flagging it up allows you to see if you can put in ways to support them and, and make it better. We all feel, I think, that we have to perform at our best the whole time. And, you know, you've, you've, it's seen as a sign of weakness to be late or have problems to deal with at home. But this is about flagging it up so we can support people. Yes, and actually if we never ask them those questions then no. we're never going to find out and be able to find ways that that make things easier and sometimes even changing shift times a little bit yeah. are all that needs to happen for this trainee to no longer be struggling and no longer feeling unable to cope. But unless we find out about it, we're never going to be able to support them. Yeah, exactly. Um, so the other thing under disappearing is sickness. So people who are off sick frequently so this isn't somebody who's broken their ankle and is off for six to eight weeks while they're in a plaster cast it's somebody who has um, diarrhea and vomiting here or a migraine there or um, you know that that frequent one to two days of sickness often there's a pattern with it so it might be somebody who always causing sick before the night shifts always causing sick before they're on a weekend or on a late so it's about picking up those patterns and that's why we have sickness policies it's not about punishing people who are genuinely ill it's about um, flagging up those people who are ill frequently and asking actually is there anything else going on behind those frequent calling in sick. Okay, so what's next on your list then Kath? So next on my list is low work rate. So um, I suppose this is a trainee who spends a much longer than you'd expect with a patient. Um, it doesn't make decisions about things so constantly passes it on it's like to the somebody else to make that decision at the end of the shift so they've done everything but they've not made a treatment plan so if the bloods come back normal then the plan is to go home they've just said we're waiting to see what the bloods come back as and that does happen sometimes but it's when it's perpetually happening and people are not making decisions they're avoiding decisions they may um, uh, decision shop as it were so they go around to lots of people asking for advice because they don't like the advice they've been given so they go around to somebody else and somebody else again so people are just struggling to come up with a concrete plan okay um, i think we have to bear in mind that not everybody works at the same rate as everybody else some people like to spend longer with their patients and um, people write more thorough notes and that's not and that's not a bad thing but it's just um working out what's actually considered reasonable 
Yes, it's trying to get that balance between it as well. And when you're supervising and giving advice, it's something that you can often pick up on as an ST3, that somebody is spending an awful lot of time before they're coming up with a plan for that patient. And yet somebody more senior might not see that because they're not having as close an interaction with them. So the next thing I've got is ward rage, which I guess is about like road rage. Um, people who seem to fly off the handle at the slightest little thing, often inappropriately. They're always shouting at people, don't get on. They're always angry at somebody else's behaviour um, and see kind of perceived slights everywhere. So that's generally somebody who's underconfident in their own abilities. Um, and they're kind of compensating for that. Yeah, so like a bit of an overcompensation to um, inputs from elsewhere. Yeah, they don't respond well to constructive criticism. So rigidity. So this is people who can't flex, can't work outside the box, can't um, alter their behaviours dependent on the situation. Okay. Um, So somebody who might have a list of jobs that they have to do, they've ordered the priority, and then something else comes in and they can't reorder that priority to compensate for that or people who can't um, change the way they do something so when it's crowded and we're asking juniors to think of more unusual places to see patients whether that's plaster room or whether it's more a room that you would consider as an office space or a relative's room to actually see somebody in and take a history in that unusual setting some trainees take to that like a duck to water and other trainees find it really difficult because it's not in that kind of normal pattern that they have in their head got three left so bypass syndrome so the trainee that nobody ever wants to go to by this we mean like nursing staff who are thinking about yeah. needing meds prescribing yeah or... ex- exactly so people that i guess everyone else doesn't feel confident in their ability to do the task that they want them to do rather than um that trainee themselves bypassing other people it's it's that that the trainee who's struggling is being bypassed by everybody else yeah and sometimes people might not even know why it's that question that comes up on multi-source feedbacks of how much you like working with this doctor you might not like working with that doctor or not rely on them to do a task but if somebody asks you why you might not quite be able to put your finger on why it is but there's just something that makes you rely on other people yeah and then the last two um so one is people it's fairly obvious people who are having problems with their career so they're perpetually failing exams they're not engaging with their e-portfolio they don't progress at arcp so that's probably fairly obvious to trainers um, and supervisors because we're seeing all that it might be less obvious to another trainee unless you're talking about it yes although this is something that um as a registrar i remember happening with juniors from other specialties so you might be approached by a junior from another specialty who is having difficulty in their own specialty and wants to talk to somebody outside of that group Mm -hmm. about their career progression and actually even though they're not your trainee in your department you still have a moral obligation to look after and support these kind of external people who interact with us a lot so it's something that you might find arises in unusual places Um, and the very last one is something called insight failure and this is just people who just don't respond to constructive criticism they can't see that the problems that they have um, when they're presented to them they just don't agree and they can't see it Um, so I suppose that's somebody who's got no insight into how they're behaving and what the, the problems they are creating for other people yes and even when you raise it to them they can't take that forward yep. and acknowledge what other people have noticed yes 
Um, so that's my list of seven. Just to summarise, we've got seven warning signs that we're looking out for. We've got disappearance, low work rate, ward rage, rigidity, bypass syndrome, career problems, and insight failure. Yeah. Okay, so now we've got a bit of an idea of what we can look out for and how we might find out about doctors in difficulty or doctors who are struggling that might not have been diagnosed as a doctor in difficulty. What, as a, an ST3, would you be expecting trainees to do about it? So I suppose partly it depends how it presents to you, doesn't it? A consultant may come to you and say, I've noticed um, that Dr Y is struggling. Could you please keep an eye on them? And in that case, all we're asking you to do is support that trainee. Um, I guess the other things you can do is if you see um, or hear anything that makes you concerned is flag that up. So because actually, I guess a bit like NAI stuff when we talk, or safeguarding is you, lots of people may have flagged up one little thing that seems innocuous, but actually when you put the whole picture together, um, creates a very different one. Yes. Yes. And it's, it's not to say that we want you to be spying on your juniors no. to find out what, what they're up to at the weekends and what the behaviour is like. But actually, it's it's essentially looking out for anything that is striking you as a warning sign or as something to be concerned about. Mm. And you can discuss this with the you can discuss this with the trainees yourself you can say how are you coping with that i'm a little worried about this does your supervisor know about it and encourage them to bring it up themselves to know that there will be people there to support them it just might not be something that's crossed their mind before now that obviously works well with the the trainees with insight but the ones that we've talked about that lack that insight that's probably not going to work with no it's and they're difficult aren't they um and i would say that if somebody has said something to you you're really concerned about then i would tell their supervisor it's not about breaking confidentiality and snitching it's about um flagging up something that you're really worried about um and particularly we've had some trainees who've raise things about self-harm, about using alcohol more than they should be, and those things really need to be fed back up the tree because um, it's not just about being a doctor in difficulty then, is it? It's about um, performance and GMC stuff potentially. And it's an awful lot to take on as as a registrar and definitely as an ST3 to start counselling people about drug or alcohol use. <laughs> it's something that if it's in an informal chat in the staff room and you get a feeling that somebody is maybe taking some high-risk behaviors it's one thing to discourage them from from pursuing those it's another thing when they're telling you that this is something that you think could actually impinge on their performance or on their training in future and that you believe that they actually need specialist help for because they don't always know that they don't always see that themselves have they just a couple of other points on that are really that We've talked a lot about you noticing problems with trainees or you being told about problems with trainees by really the consultant cohorts, but sometimes the nursing staff will approach you because they've got a concern about somebody's behaviour or somebody's attitude or the way in which they are treating patients. What do you do about that? So I think... To a certain extent, explore with them what they're concerned about. If it's something that needs dealing with there and then because a nurse is concerned that that trainee is about to discharge a patient and they're worried for that that patient shouldn't be discharged, then you have to deal with that there and then, don't you? 
because there's patient safety involved. Yeah. Um, if there is somebody more senior around at the time, then I would go and tell them. Typically, these things are always three o'clock in the morning. So um, I would probably go to that trainee and say, okay, so somebody said they're a bit concerned that you're, this patient's going home. Can you tell me about the patient and try and work around it that way? Go see the patient with them. Sometimes it's just they don't know what they don't know. Um, but the other thing is if somebody raises concerns um, in a sense that they're worried that people have been perpetually bullying somebody or perpetually late or you know something that's a constant thing get them to document it and put their concerns in writing and I think this is where you have to be factual rather than opinionated very much so um, so you have to you know write things down or present things to people in a very structured factual observational manner without trying to stick opinions to what it is and it's important to have it in writing because then that will form a record of things to come rather than just hearsay yes and if you think about arcp and progression of trainees and also the support that is available for them having it in writing is really important with taking things forward if you can't evidence that a doctor is having difficulties Mm -hmm. then it's really hard to get them the support that they need later on so one of the warning signs we talked about earlier was ward rage what do you do as the st3 on if you have witnessed one of your trainees or whether it's one of your juniors or even one of your senior colleagues who is having episodes of what you think might be ward rage how do you manage that so that's a hard one isn't it so i think if you actually see the episode happening um i would probably try and intervene it's difficult there probably isn't a right or wrong answer to this and you have to gauge it depending on how well you know those people and it would be a lot harder to do it to somebody more senior than somebody more junior than you as an st3 i can't ever really imagine going up to consult and going you need to calm down but if you see two shos shouting at each other you know sorry the surgical sho won't take the edshos referral then i would go up to them and ask them what the problem was and try and settle it if you hear about a trainee who's constantly having arguments with people i'd probably send them to have a coffee and i would probably go and sit with them and say are you okay is there anything else you seem to get quite um, upset about the discussion before just see if there's something going on it might be that they're really worried about something and it's just not come to the fore yeah sometimes it can be simple things like stress and fatigue that make people have outbursts but I think we do we've got to split it down haven't we into is an immediate intervention required Uh, do you need to essentially intervene and remove them from the situation that they're in or is it something that is a very brief episode that you want to catch them afterwards and talk to them about Um, or recurrent episodes that have been happening that you feel might need to be passed up to a senior to deal with Um, and it might just be a problem between two individuals rather than one person who's having a problem with everybody but you don't know about it unless you unless you ask yeah sometimes it just needs them to eat i get hungry i think quite a lot of us do and even if it's not full-on ward rage you'll find that some people just get grumpy or they get less less willing to think laterally because they are hungry or tired or stressed or have something else that is going on so in summary today we've talked about how you support and manage the struggling trainee and within that we've really looked at why a junior might be struggling how you find out that they're struggling and what you might be expected to do about it okay thanks very much thanks Kath thank you